scripture. Our scripture can be found in Philippians 3, 17 through 21. We continue to talk about the joyful Christian. Uh, one can be a Christian and be miserable. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I certainly have. And yet God calls us to a life of joy. Not necessarily a life of happiness all the time, but a life of joy. And so Paul has been giving his prescription of what it means to be a joyful Christian. And we see that it's very much tied up with the mind. The word mind is used in Philippians over 17 times. Paul is speaking that we have to have a certain mindset if we want to experience the joy of being a Christian. Chapter 1 he talked about that we have to have a single mind. Amidst all of our circumstances we're focused on the Lord. He is above all. Number two, in chapter two, our relationships. We have to have a submissive mind. We have to be willing to lay down our lives as Christ laid down his life. As we submit to one another out of love, we experience the joy of Christ. And then finally in chapter three, the spiritual mind. Not fixed on earthly things, but on things above. Understanding the priorities, our citizenship as heavenly citizens and not earthly. And so this is the last of Philippians three where we talk about the spiritual mind. Paul says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The word of the Lord. Well, uh, Liel and I uh, had the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic earlier this year for our 20th anniversary. It was a wonderful time. And uh, you know, it's neat when you get to another country and see how other people live and so forth and you know I don't know if you've ever played this game which is you're kinda of sitting around the dinner table and you say if you could go anywhere in the world where would it be you know and I never get Siberia by the way I never you know get uh, something like that you know it's I want to go to the Caribbean I want to go to the whatever the Alps blah 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 well what if the question was and this is always the next question if you had to live somewhere else than the United States where would you want to live well, this is a more tricky question because it's not like you can just go to a country and stay there forever. You have to qualify. You have to be recognized. I have a friend of mine who is here uh, who is from India and he's on a, a, a green card and he continues to work on graduate degrees so he can stay here. As long as he's in school and moving forward, he can stay. Well, I went ahead and started searching for where I would want to live. Okay, and I actually, this is true, contacted the consulate of Austria yesterday via email asking how much it would cost to become a citizen of Austria. I told them I had a lot of money and skied well in my email. <laughs> I have also a simultaneous inquiry in Fiji right now where I shot an email to the consulate in Washington uh, in Fiji talking about my desire to become a citizen of Fiji and what would that uh, take to go ahead and do so. I've not heard any responses as of yet uh, but I know sooner or later when they take a look at me and what I have to offer uh, they're gonna say yes. Oh yeah they're gonna say yes. Well you see there's a problem 
with both of those countries. If you look at their laws, they don't allow dual citizenship. Some countries do, but many don't. For instance, in Denmark, if you have a, a nationality with Denmark and you go ahead and become a citizen of another country, you automatically renounce your citizenship in Denmark. Uh, Japan is one of the strictest immigration countries and does not allow other citizens to maintain other allegiances. In India, does not allow for dual citizenship. So it's, it's one place, one time, this is it. You come here, you leave. Even the United States that, uh, that does uh, use dual citizenship, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court said you are able to enjoy the rights of both. But you must swear an oath of allegiance to the United States of America above all other nationalities. If you're not willing to do so, you cannot become a citizen of the United States. Well, this makes sense because there is citizenship and depending on who you are a citizen of, there are laws that you need to obey. There are cultures and customs you must uh, have and do in your life. And so Paul is talking about the consequences depending on which citizenship you hold. One is a citizen of earth, the earthly kingdom, and one as a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. He's speaking about these enemies that are trying to tell people, no, 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 no. There's no such thing. Well, actually, you can have dual citizenship. You can have heaven and earth at the same time. And Paul is saying they're enemies of the cross that we cannot identify with them, that we have to choose either to be earthly citizens. Now, I'm not talking about holding an American passport. I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm proud of being a U.S. citizen. But an earthly citizenship, which we're going to talk about. So the question is, which passport do you hold? We're going to look at three points that Paul brings out. Number one, what is an earthly citizen? What requirements are there? What laws are you under if you're an earthly citizen? Number two, what's a heavenly citizen? How do I know if I am one or not one? What does it take uh, to be naturalized into being a heavenly citizen? And then finally, number three, walking in our citizenship. Living out who we really are. But Paul, at the end of the day, says in this passage that because you are citizens of heaven, not of the earth, glory in being sons of the king and not slaves of the world. Let's look at the world. Let's look at the earthly citizen. We have Philippians 3.17 where Paul says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have. Excuse me, have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul is saying to this church that there are enemies all around you. Indeed, there are many of them. And they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They walk as enemies. Well, who are these people, these enemies of the cross of Christ? My original thought would be these people that don't like Jesus. They're enemies of Christianity. They're kind of the, you know, they, they worship another God. They don't like Christianity. They want to stamp it out. But Paul's not talking about those guys at all. He's actually talking about this group of people he calls, or we call the Judaizers. They've come to faith in Jesus Christ. They're Jewish, but they have put them together. In other words, yes, Christ does save us, but also you must observe the Jewish customs. You must observe the Jewish laws. You must become a Jewish citizen if you convert to Christianity. You must be circumcised. 
Both of those must work together, his righteousness and yours, in order to be saved. Now, why are these people holding on to this so much? Well, in order to move forward in Christianity, they have to leave the Old Testament. Not in the terms of forgetting it, but Christ is the end of the law. And so they have to take a step forward, but they seem held in the past. They're not willing to let go. Additionally, they have ethnic privileges, don't they? They are the children of God. They've been given a special dispensation. They're able to discriminate against everyone else. You're less than me. With Christianity, that blows everything out of the water, right? Because there is no slave or Jew, male or female, Christian or Gentile. We're all brought on the same plane. They don't like that. There's a hierarchical structure where their goodness, their righteousness has aimed, uh, gained them favor in the community and supposedly to them with God. And so they can stand tall in their accomplishments. They don't want that to go away. And so they're enemies of the cross. They embrace the cross and yet simultaneously they deny it. They're enemies because they deny its meaning. Because the meaning of the cross is a big road sign that's saying you are not good enough. Your life is covered in shame. You will never make the grade. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. They're enemies because they deny its meaning. They don't want to depend on it. They want to teach others. They don't want to have to stand on anything other than their accomplishments, their religious goodness. And so Paul says with many tears, I've communicated to them the gospel and that they refuse to let go of these things that are actually their destruction. Look at verse 19. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Paul says what is going to happen to them, who they are. Their end is destruction. That word in the Greek means waste or lostness. Remember when Judas uh, was, uh, you know, he, was, he betrayed Christ. And he said, Jesus, when he's speaking to the Father, said, none has been lost except the son of destruction, so that the uh, scripture may be fulfilled. These people are destined for destruction. Their God is their belly. What it means is all of their Jewish laws of purification, all of the things they do to sacrifice, all the laws that they keep, that's their God. Their God is that, their righteousness. But the writer of Hebrews in 9.9 says that gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. These things are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Their God is their belly, but their glory is in their shame. They're boasting in their righteousness. And by boasting at the very same time, what they're really doing is condemning themselves. Remember, Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not the one who's going to condemn you. It's Moses who you put your, your, your heart and hopes on. See, they're boasting in all that they're doing. They're relying, but they're condemning themselves. It's like they're reading their own sentence. Remember Jesus saying to the Pharisees, the beggars and the prostitutes are coming ahead of you because they understand that they can't measure up to that cross in front of them. And so the Judaizers glory in their shame. 
The problem with all of this is simply that their mind is set on earthly things. They're captive to the system of the world. I don't know what world that you live in, but my world looks something like this. If you want to be successful in this world, you need to gain it, either through money or power or beauty or reputation. It's a game of ones. I remember an investor telling me, it's a game of singles and doubles. Don't try to hit triples. Just keep building, keep building. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with investing. What I'm saying is, this world says you've got to earn it. Remember Smith Barney? We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. That's the world. The world says you're on a scale. If you think you're above somebody, you're haughty toward them. And if you think you're below somebody, you're angry and you envy them. Their mind is set on earthly things. Whether it's religion or whether it's irreligion. These people, by setting their mind on earthly things, are living a Christless Christianity. What about us? These people he's talking about are religious people. But we're religious people. We're sitting at church right now. He could be speaking to us. Are we not also susceptible to the cross and Jesus plus something else? My accomplishments, my religious uh, uh, accomplishments that I give? Remember Peter? Jesus saying that he's going to the cross? And Peter says, no, 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 that'll never happen. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. If my trust in, in God and salvation is on my righteous accomplishments, Jesus plus my goodness, Jesus plus my accomplishments, guess what? We're an enemy of the cross. This passage is talking about us. Because the gospel is scandalous. In order to receive Christ's glory, we must acknowledge our shame. It was Jesus who, for the joy before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and proved his glory. Our salvation is by grace, but his was by work. And our salvation comes in trusting in his righteousness. If we don't do this, if we don't uh, uh, acknowledge your shame, acknowledge that we have no hope save for the cross of Christ, we will fall into being these type of people. We will not experience the scandal of the gospel. I heard recently, um, William and Mary, we have some student friends who are over there, and a fundamentalist preacher came out at William and Mary. JMU, I'm sorry, wife keeping me honest. Came, I don't know if you remember in college, these guys come out and they either have a cross or, you know, they're there and they set up a mic and sometimes they have their wife or kids next to them and he just starts going. He's telling people they're going to go to hell. He's telling uh, girls that their skirts are too short. You're wearing makeup. You're a prostitute. You guy, you're daba. And he just keeps going on and going on and going on. The truth of the matter is a lot of the things he says is right. But that doesn't do any good, does it? His message of the gospel is simply this. Clean up your act. Start living a godly life. And if you work hard enough, you might be able to make it. But that's not the gospel. It's a Christless Christianity. 
No good news without bad news leads to frustration and pain. I was proud of the JMU students. I think it was in varsity. A bunch of them came out and they started singing songs of praise and grace. Gospel songs of what the Lord has done, what He can do. Not neglecting sin, but talking about our hope in Jesus Christ. And they sang and they sang and they sang and there was enough numbers of them that they kept singing and drowned out this voice. Where is your glory, brother and sister? Is it your righteous record? I'm here. I'm a member of this church. I live by the principles of the Bible. But inside your heart is full of fear. And you live a roller coaster. Up when things are going great and you're holy and down when that sin pulls you down. Up and happy and then down. Your Christianity is miserable because you have not accepted that the cross is a scandal, a beautiful one. And so if you want to experience heavenly citizenship, you must reject earthly. You must stop counting your accomplishments and start looking at Christ's. You must get over yourself. Cheer up. You're far worse than you think you are. You must embrace the cross as Jesus embraced it. When you fail, you must look to Him, not to yourself. When you're struggling, look to the one who is able to stand. When you're comparing, look to the one who is incomparable. When condemning, look to the one who forgave you. We are citizens of heaven, not of this earth. And our glory is in being sons of the king, not slaves of the world. This brings me to my second point. Well, if not an earthly citizen, what does it mean to be a heavenly citizen? Look at verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is saying, look, we're not like that, but our citizenship is in heaven. You know, Philippi was a Roman colony. One of the few that actually had the privilege of being Roman citizens and not living in Rome. And so whenever a baby was born in Philippi, one of the first things they would do is take it down to the Hall of Records and they would register the child so that there wouldn't be, you know, any law change or anything. Because once the child is a Roman citizen, always a Roman citizen. This word citizenship actually is a term related to politics. It's related to how you govern yourself. It's more than simply a title. It's your actual way that you conduct yourself. It's an ethical thing. We, by being heavenly citizens, if you are a Christian, if you have given your life to Christ, everything has changed. Everything. We belong to a different family. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. If you're a heavenly citizen, you've been born of God. We have a different identity. Colossians 3.1, but if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. You have been raised with Christ and are seated with him in the heavenly realms. You have a different identity. Your life, you died and your life is hidden with Christ. You even speak a different language. 1 John 4, 5 tells that the earthly citizens are from the world. And therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. But we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. 
Because we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand what God has freely given us. We have a different family, a different identity, a different language, different laws. Our citizenship is contained in a book. Does that book say we obey our authorities? Yes, it does. There are certain times that we would not. But that is the book that governs us. We live differently with one another. The church is a supernatural institution because we're living by different identity, different laws, different relationships, different priorities. Because we have a different king, we have a different destiny. Philippians 3.21 says that he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things. It's not going to improve us or rehabilitate us. He's going to transform us. This word, our bodies, our lowly body means of uh, ennoble birth, low birth, base, vile. He'll take a noble people and make them sons of God to be like His glorious body. To have the attributes of the risen Christ who people couldn't even look upon because of the glory emanating from Him. What is true of Christ will be fulfilled in us. See, we are no longer earthly citizens. As Corinthians says, the first man was from the earth the man of dust, Adam. But the second man, Christ, is from heaven. And so, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, we, who are sons of Christ, will be changed. We will be changed as he subjects the world to himself, all things. Now, when we went to adopt Maria, brutal process, if you've gone through adoption, um, and Nicaragua, notoriously slow, and you've got a whole lot of baggage. Nicaragua doesn't like the U.S. or didn't at that point. And they didn't like sort of American citizens. They have this double-edged sword where they have kids in the streets. Uh, but at the same time, their pride says, we can take care of our own. But they acknowledge enough that these folks need help. Now, it didn't hurt that my last name was Rodriguez. Carlos Rodriguez. I'm one of them. I'm part of the people. Okay? So we went down there. But Maria is a Nicaraguan citizen, okay? So we need to get Maria here. Now here's the question. When did Maria become a citizen of the United States? When she entered the country? When she left Nicaragua? No, when she became our child. And the papers were signed in Nicaragua. Now there were formalities and other things to happen, but it was a certainty. Her lineage had changed. Her identity had changed. Everything about her life had changed. And so she no longer had to, to be a citizen in an orphanage, but now a citizen in the house of her mother and her father. Do you recognize that you have changed? If you are a Christian, do you see it? Are you living in your true identity? The only way you can is by having a spiritual mind. You can sit in that cell with the door open all you want and never experience the privileges. Maria still, in so many ways, gets back in that cell because she cannot 
She can't believe that this is going to last forever. And so we must fix our thoughts, not below but above. You must choose to live by different rules. What are they that govern you when you go to the office, when you leave and you go see friends? What are the rules you're living by? Do I have to play the game of this world? Or am I able to lay down my reputation? I'm able to lay down this ever uh, increasing quest for things or righteousness. Live by different rules. Live by a different king. Not the kings of this earth. Not your boss. Not the beautiful girl on the cover of the magazine. Not your friends. Your king is the king of glory. And you are a citizen of the son. You are a son of God. And finally, live with a different hope. I see that when I fix my mind on earthly things, my hopes are so shallow. I hope I can get this whatever it is. I hope I can get this done. I hope I can get to the weekend. I hope that this won't be a problem. And it's a life of small hopes and big frustrations because things never turn out exactly the way we want. But when you live with a different hope, a different passport, that ultimately my journey will end up in this place that I have citizenship. You can endure just about anything because all that I have, all that I've acquired, my reputation, everything is nothing compared to who I am. It doesn't even really belong to me anymore. You are citizens of heaven, not of the earth. So glory in being sons of the king, not slaves of the world. This brings me to my final point, walking in our heavenly citizenship. Notice verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. See, Paul is saying that you're not going to get there alone. God has sent people to come alongside you to help pull you along. You know, where, how did Paul find all this stuff out? Jesus was before him. And he saw Jesus and he saw his righteousness and he said, I'll take that and I can let that go. And so Paul founded the church at Philippi and he showed an, a heavenly citizen life and he said, imitate me. Not in an egotistical way. He was just sold out for the kingdom of heaven. And if you think about your own faith, it's been passed down all the way from the apostles. One person telling another and telling another. And so when he says to the Philippians, brothers, join in imitating me, he's talking about the whole church. We have to do this together. We need one another. Peter says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. The NIV puts it, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. I am so easily to walk out there and pick up my earthly passport. I need you alongside me to help me remember. Folks who have been a Christian who have walked on this earth longer than us, you all need to be an example to us. People say, oh, the older, they can't do anything. That's the exact opposite. If you have been a Christian for a while, you are duty-bound to help us 
Move along in this path of grace. Is your walk in a place where you are living as a heavenly citizen? Jesus said, You are from below, but I am from above. My kingdom is not of this world. So in Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We may use the things of this world, but not engrossed in them. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. Do you want to be an earthly citizen, or do you want to be a heavenly? If Jesus Christ is not your Lord, you're an earthly citizen. And until you declare your allegiance to Him, there's no way to get that other passport. If you're a Christian, do you want to walk as a heavenly citizen or an earthly citizen? That, my friends, is a layup. But we must fix our minds on things above. We must let go. We must let go of the shiny objects because we're citizens of heaven, not of earth. And so let each one of us, day by day, moment by moment, to one another and with one another, live as sons of the King, not say slaves of the world. This is our privilege, it's our honor, and it's our destiny. Praise be to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, your cross is scandalous. It's so scandalous that you say you can only have it and nothing else. An instrument of death becoming an instrument of life for us. Lord, you endured shame that we might be glorious. You endured pain that we might experience freedom and joy. Lord, help us to renounce our earthly citizenship, not just now, but five minutes from now and ten minutes. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to see your heavenly kingdom from above. And help us embrace with joy the scandal of the gospel, walking as citizens of heaven, as sons of the King. We pray all of this in His name.